This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Amy Trask, and you are listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest for Tip. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we're Hall of Fame voters, joined, of course, as we are always, by Hall of Fame producer Ian Glendon. And today, joined by Captain QB and the Big Boys. That's who you just heard, the session band (laughs) that recorded what we're hearing, the ever-popular San Diego Superchargers fight song that would be played after every Chargers touchdown, of course, along with the blast of a canyon at one end of Jack Murphy Stadium. Anyway, a lot of people didn't like it. I remember Raiders coach Tom Flores telling me, ah, don't like that song. And the Patriots Bill Belichick in 2007 was asked about it. And he said, I hate that song. But I know someone who loved it. And he's here today. That's former special teams captain and now national broadcaster, Hank Bauer of the Chargers, who set a single season special teams record 52 tackles in 1981, and that, folks, will never, ever be equaled or surpassed. He also is a guy who was undrafted out of Cal Lutheran, and he's the guy who will announce a Chargers draft pick this week. Hank, thanks so much for joining us. And which round are you going to announce? First, second? Well, how are you getting this done? Um, well, first of all, it's great to be on with you guys. I hear that music and I think about those sun splashed Sunday afternoons at the Murph slash San Diego stadium slash the Q slash whatever it was. And I think about those sunny Sundays, girls in tube tops in the stands, people going nuts in charger power t-shirts, the cannon going off, the Raiders coming in, beating a, Put out of each other, just and then going in the parking lot afterwards with the fans, with Louis Coulter and the boys, and just drinking some beers and having fun. It was a different era. No cell phones, no internet. It was just fun. It was raw. It was just amazing. You are right, Hank. And you know what I remember most about covering that team, and that was in the eighties uh, and nineties. But one of the things, at least, I remember most is before a game, you always had those hibachis or uh, grills out in the parking lot where people were cooking. You could smell it. You could smell it a mile away. People were cooking. Here's the, but here's the problem. People would, you know, forget. They would put them under their cars when they're done. That's right. Is that where you were going, Clark? Yeah, it was because before the game, there's a guy who covered the team named Fred Hayes. And you remember Freddie. And oh, yeah. Rick, Rick Smith gets on the intercom before the game. Rick Smith was the PR director for the Chargers. He goes, attention media, Fred Hayes, your car's on fire. 
And that's what happened. That's what happened. They put the coals under the car. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> that happened more than once, by the way. You'd see the smoke coming up from over the top. You know what's sad for me now? I still live in San Diego, literally uh, five miles from the stadium, and I and I, I drive by it almost every day. And it's it's finally been leveled. And yeah. it's just having watched it get dismantled piece by piece, Gosh, it's a reminder of our own mortality, isn't it? That, that yeah, no, we're not, hey, Clarky, hey, Ian Clarky, we are not here for a long time. We are here for a good time, my brothers. Welcome to the Hank Bauer Spiritual Hour. This is Aaron Clark talking with Hank Bauer, guest <laughs> from the Chargers. And Hank, I mentioned that you're going to announce a Chargers draft pick this week. I don't know if it's in Cleveland, it's by virtual, or like I asked you earlier, is it which round is it? I don't know if it's first or second round. And are you actually going there? Are you doing it virtually? What's what's going on? Well, this is this is a, a great honor. This is pretty cool. Now, I, you know, I played uh, seven years, um, actually IR for the seventh and coached and coached four. And then I broadcasted the Charger games for uh, 19 years on radio. And and. I've, I've, I've drafted guys. I've worked guys out. I've run the running back drills at the NFL combine. I've never been to the NFL draft. Obviously I was undrafted. I was a free agent from a D three school. And so I've never been to the draft. I get the call from the NFL saying the chargers in the NFL would love you to be their ambassador to announce the second and or third round pick on the second day, the commissioner announces the first in Cleveland. So, you know, they're flying me and a guest in and there's a guy from every team to all 32 teams. Some are current players. Um, some are former players. There are hall of famers, you know, the Franco Harris's and, and, and you can find the list, but it, it was a great honor. It's going to be a great experience. Um, I love visiting Cleveland. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love visiting Cleveland. Um, it is. It's a. It's a great. It's a fun city. It's gotten so much more fun over the years. Uh, and and I'm I'm going to fly in uh, Thursday. That where the day of the first round, and then I'll get there Thursday night. We're having a private um, meeting with the commissioner. The commissioner announces the first round. Uh, all the 32 ambassadors. We're going to have our own little hour session with them on Friday. Uh, I'm going to do some other things on Friday, and then. Head on over and put on a suit for the first time in years and walk up to the podium and hope I don't screw it up and say, with the 47th pick in the second round, the San Diego. Oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I've probably broadcast over the last four years uh, on national radio with Sports USA at, at least, over the last four years, at least 10. 12, 14 games of the Chargers. I've not called them the San Diego Chargers once. Not. Very nice. But I've uh, also not called them the Los Angeles Chargers once. <laughs> nice. Hank, I, uh, I just call them the Chargers. See? <laughs> uh, greetings from the home of the uh, NFL champions, Mr. Bauer, Tampa Bay, Florida. Uh, Man, what a game that was. I love and, this. And we, I love watching that game. 
We got all women in tube tops down here too, Hank. You ain't, you ain't got nothing on us. Uh, now, Hank, I was talking to Clark Judge about you, and he, he used the word violent. He said you were a violent player. You loved contact. Hank, you retired in 28. You played with a broken neck. A broken yep. neck in 82. You're 28 years old. You retire. How are you doing physically now, Mr. Bauer? Well, the fact that I'm on with you guys is, is it says something, right? And, 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 and I, I'm not trying to be funny there. I mean, every day it's a, a constant reminder. We keep losing more and more guys. You know, yesterday I, I, I find out that the great Raider, Mike Davis, number 36, one of my protégés, played against him countless times, wars with those guys. He, he passed away. And every day, it's I guess when you're 66, that just that's going to happen more and more. But thanks for asking, Ira. I'm doing. It's crazy because, you know, I've I've, I've had teammates. I just went and visited a teammate. I don't want to drop his name, but you know, he's 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 in a full time facility, mental a mental facility, and he's got uh, you know he's he doesn't have his mental faculties. He's you know probably got some CTE and. Who knows what else, but he's got to be taken care of full time. And, and, and of all the guys that should have be screwed up, and I, I see, see this kind of tongue-in-cheek and kind of serious, I have no idea why I feel as good as I feel, right? I mean, and, and, and I'm still able to be cognizant, aware, and the more I think about it, there's no freaking way. Now, my joints kill me every day. I wake up, I feel like, some days I feel like I got, I have to crawl to the bathroom in the morning. And then other days, like today, I feel freaking great, man. And I feel like I could run down as an R5 right now. But, you know, I, I, I think there's, as we find out more and more about CTE and long-term damage of, of, of hits, I think we're going to find out that it's like a lot of other disorders and diseases that you're predisposed to it because there's no way. I shouldn't be screwed up right now. Right? Right? You guys? I mean, Clark, right? I mean, there's no way. Hank, this is a very, uh, it's a very uh, Hall of Fame-centric show, Hank. So Clark and I are voters, and I'm going to ask you, Hank, you know, like, we don't think there's ever going to be a fullback, Hank, going forward that that's ever going to make the Hall as, as great a blocker as a guy might be. Just not going to happen. And we're starting to think that way about special teamers, you know, the Hank Bowers, uh, the taskers yep. of the world. Hank, uh, <laughs> do, 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 do guys belong? Should there be a bust for a couple special teamers in there? Well, first of all, if there was a fullback, who would you guys put in? I know who I would put in. Um, uh, I'm thinking of the guy that blocked for all those thousand-yard rushers for, with different teams. I, I can't remember the guy's Lorenzo name. Neal? Lorenzo Neal. Lorenzo Neal. Lorenzo Neal. Yeah. I think if you're going to put in a true fullback, I think he would be one of the guys. Um, special teams, man, let me tell you, it's <laughs> – you know, what? I, I don't understand voting. I don't understand the voting. It, it, to me, I always was told that it's – I always was under the impression for the Hall of Fame that what kind of impact slash influence did a player have on the game? right? What kind of impact or influence did you have on the game? Did you change the game? And 
I think that gets lost, and, and, and especially in today's world, um, where people are, you know, social media driven and internet driven, and and uh, you know things like that. I I I, I do believe that. I do believe that a special teams players, more than one, because that's a, it's a third of the game. It's the first thing you get first meeting of the week, your punt pro. Uh, it's, it's, it's the, every special teams play is either involved with the biggest exchange of yards and or scoring every special teams play uh, in a game. It, it determines the outcome of most games, uh, it, you know, that in turnovers. And so, but yet, you know, you're told, oh, you guys are the most important thing and we got it. And then you're just kind of kicked to the curb and forgotten. And, and, and it's the same thing with fullbacks. I mean, you do the dirty work. Nobody aspires to be a special teams guy. You know, everybody comes out of college as stars. You know, that's why, that's why you don't know who's going to be good. You don't know how a guy's going to be good. It's hard to project because most of those guys didn't play special teams in the NFL. And now all of a sudden they're backups and they've got to fill a role. And, and so all guys that do do guys that don't, don't. Um, I, I for, people ask me, how in the hell did you make 52 tackles in one season? And I go, you know what? I look back and I go, I learned over my football career when I was, you know, growing through it from high school where I was a running back slash middle guard nose tackle at 185 pounds my senior year 190 pounds nose tackle I learned the button jerk the swim move I learned all the pass rushing techniques I learned how to get off blocks because I was playing right there at the tip of the spear on the defense okay and then I got to college and I played rugby in the off season I also played rugby there's no greater game on this planet that can teach you the, the nuances of open field tackling, ball movements, and things that just naturally prepare you and the instincts uh, for playing special teams in the NFL. So I got to the NFL, and I, yeah, I just wanted to do anything to help our team win, anything. And I, I, I found that I had this just ability just from – and it wasn't anything I planned for. I just – you know, I was fighting to make the team – fighting to stay on the team. Next thing you know, find out, shoot, this is easy. Look at all these dumbasses out here. They don't have a clue how to play special teams. You know, I'd set them up. I'd run by them. I'd knock them on their asses. I'd blow up the wedges. I'd jump over the wedges. I'd cut the wedges. People never seen anything like that, right? And I was, it was like I was toying with these guys. It was a joke. I mean, it was. It was, it was so much fun. And, 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 and then, I, then, then, then it got kind of boring for me. So I started to say, okay, let's, let's see how, let's see. I'll never forget this. I, I said one week and I started thinking about stuff every week. I said, let's see what's going to give out first this week, my mind or my body. Let's go, let's go full speed into the wedge. Three or four guys that were all the way 280 or more, a little right around there running full speed side by side at you. And let's run full speed for 60 yards, 50, 60 yards. They're going to run full speed, and let's not break stride. But let's not cut the wedge. Let's not jump over the top. Let's not try to split it. Let's pick one of them out and go right under his chin. Train wreck. Head on. Let's do it. And I, and I psyched myself all week long 
And I was so excited to, for the opening kickoff because I wanted my moment of truth. And I did it. I got to the wedge. It was like slow motion. And I realized that right before contact, I closed my eyes. I never knew that. And you know how I learned that I closed my eyes? The guy and I got into this massive collision and I hear, I hear 60,000 people going, Ooh, and I'm going, man. And after this huge collision, I'm on my ass rolling over, seeing stars. I look over the guy sidestepped me and I ran into the returner was running full speed. I made the tackle. (laughs) I had no clue. I made the tackle. I'm going, I'm going, shoot. I I go, I never knew I closed my eyes when I hit people. <laughs> We're speaking with national broadcaster Hank Bauer, former Chargers special team star on the eye test for two. And Hank, a couple things. First of all, you mentioned Mike Davis. I certainly remember him because he finished his career in 1987 with the San Diego Chargers. San Diego Chargers, one year. That's correct. That's right. And people also should remember him because he was part of the 1980 Oakland Raiders team that beat Cleveland in the conference championship game in Cleveland. And it was Mike Davis who made the interception at the end of the game. I think it was a Brian Sype. In fact, I'm sure it was a Brian Sype, the mistake by the lake, but he made the key interception that sent them to the Super Bowl that year. Oh, um, let me tell you and- something. Let me, Clark, let me tell you something. Before they changed the rules, playing against Jack Tatum, Mike Davis, Lester Hayes. Can you, can you remember that secondary? Oh, sure. George Atkinson was in there. I mean, it's just George Atkinson. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, Willie Brown. To... and Willie Brown. Yep. Fell yep. out early. Yeah. yeah. J- j- just send me to prison. <laughs> Let him... <laughs> well, we might do that anyway, Hank. We might do that anyway. Um, and they secondly, going... the other thing that occurs to me is you're going back to Cleveland, and I know why you love visiting Cleveland, because to the best of my knowledge, that's where you scored your last touchdown, wasn't it? You know, yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I also, you know what I, I'm most proud of? I'm proud that I would just try to be, do anything I could to be a good teammate, help our team win, and in the process have a lot of fun. And just, and I have fun hitting people. I I just had fun just doing all of it, just all of it. I just loved all, every minute of it. And uh, my first touchdown my dad had passed away and I, I, I buried him on a, we buried him on a Friday and I'm a rookie, not playing any offense. I, I, I get a call from the team. I practiced, didn't tell anybody except the coach that I said, look, I have to miss Thursday, Friday, if it's okay to fly up to Northern California to, to bury my dad. And they go, oh, of course. So I wasn't in meetings, didn't tell anybody on the team. They got together. I'm making 20 grand as a rookie in 1977, right? 20,000. We didn't have a whole lot. My family didn't have a whole lot. So I'm sitting there. We bury him on a Friday. My dad, we get a knock on the door. The guys passed the hat and the team and and, and gave my mom like $4,000, which at the time was a huge deal. Guys, guys were, you know, it was a huge deal. So my mom says, Hey, look, we're sitting around on Saturday morning. She goes, you got to go see if you, can you play tomorrow? We're playing the Browns my rookie year. And I go, I don't know. I got to call I have to call the coach. The coach said, if you can get here by curfew, you can play. We want you to play. So, so I missed practice, you know, <clears throat> Thursday night was nothing. So I missed practice Friday. 
walked through on Saturday, got back right before curfew on Saturday. They put me in 15 yard shovel pass from Dan Fouts, got my first game ball, got my first touchdown, gave the ball to my mom for Mother's Day, right? Not knowing if I'd ever get another one. Well, fast forward, I'm not playing any offense. I'm the special teams captain, two time NFL player of the year. And we're playing Monday night football against the Browns and in front of the dog pound, Kellen gets knocked out. And like, were you there, Clark? I'm sure you were there. No, I wasn't. I wasn't, I wasn't covering the team then. Okay. So, so Kellen gets knocked out and, and, uh, Coriel looks at me and Ernie Zampi, they say, you can run the wing back position, right? We're just going to run a clearing route. Right. And I go, what? And I go, yeah, you're going to go in, you're going to go in motion. So they put me on the field. Fouts, it's screaming loud, dog pound. Fouts says, green 26, green 26. And on the second green, I was supposed to move across the formation, run a clearing route in the back of the end zone, right? And I'd never run in practice, but I knew what to do because I knew every position, right? So he goes, green 26. And I can't hear him. And he's going, green 26. And I, so I'm not moving yet. Fouts goes, hey, hey. And I thought he was saying, hut, hut. And we jumped. So we get a penalty, right? Because they thought we were saying hut, hut. So Fouts, you know Fouts, M-F-I-C, my friend in charge, just <laughs> screaming at me, you know, you know, just screaming, if you don't know the that bleepity bleep plays, then what the bleep are you doing? And I'm going, hey, you know, bleep bleep you. I couldn't hear your bleeping signals and blah, blah. And now Ernie's over there trying to, you know, trying to settle us down. He goes, oh, Hank, I go, Ernie, I knew what to do. I just couldn't hear him. So he put us in, and we run the same play. I do a clearing route. I'm in the back of the end zone, right in front of the dog pound. Oh, my God. I got lost in the coverage. I look up, and I see Fouts' piercing blue eyes staring me down. And I'm thinking to myself in slow motion, No! <laughs> Don't throw it to me! <laughs> he zings one about five feet over my head. I jumped up. Somehow, miraculously made the catch. Scored the touchdown. Dan and I were laughing at it, running off the field. And that was my last touchdown. So my first touchdown, last touchdown, both had meaningful stories and were against the Cleveland Browns. Hank, I want to ask you about a former teammate, and, and I've talked to Clark about this. Um, and, Hank, I, I know you're going to get serious about this guy because I think he's one of the classic what could have beens. You've seen all – you've seen the great ones. Hank, the Walter Paytons. Tony Dorsett, Chuck Muncie, Billy, Billy Sims. I want you to talk about Chuck Muncie in terms <laughs> of pure, in terms of pure talent. Ooh. How many guys? How many guys you've ever seen that's better? Ooh, man, that's funny you say that. Uh, you know, I'd say somebody asked me about the all-time backs the other day, and I said, "Well, you know, my favorite was Walter because I just loved his heart, right?" Walter Payton, how could you not? I go, but he wasn't the best, in my opinion. Um, toughest, my favorite, but and, and certainly, what do you want to drive, a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, when you compare all these guys, right? I broadcast every one of Ladanian's games. Phenomenal talent. Uh, Emmett, amazing. Uh, all of them. But, but in terms of pure, God-given talent, pure, God-given talent. And again, let me just mention Marcus Allen. Best five-tool running back ever. Receiving, running, inside running, goal line running, pass blocking, run blocking. Marcus was amazing. Uh, 
right? But in terms of pure ability, Chuck Muncie, Harry Vance Muncie, right? Six foot four and a half, 250 plus, never trained a day in his life, and smoked like a fiend, drank like a fish, and did copious amounts of drugs, copious amounts of cocaine, okay? And still went out there and was the most physically dominating gifted player I've ever seen. I'll get a quick story about Chuck. When I retired and became a coach, I'm going on his golf junket with, you know, Lawrence Taylor was there, Brian Kelly from the Giants, and Chuck was there, and Chuck, Chuck, and a, and a bunch of guys, Zorn and Largent, they didn't quite fit in with us, but, <laughs> you know, we're all over in Hawaii. I, I run into Chuck. Chuck. Chuck has been there for a month. Chuck's on our team now. We have a mini camp the next weekend. Uh, Coriel, I have a conversation with Coriel. He says, hey, I told him, I said, I ran into Chuck here in Hawaii, in Maui. He says, Get, you're, you're in charge of getting him to mini camp next weekend. And I go, God, thanks a lot for that, coach. Um, so I talked to Chuck, and Chuck and I were like brothers. Uh, it, it, Chuck, please come. Chuck takes the red eye in for minicamp. I wasn't sure he was going to make it. First thing we do is we're going to run 40s, right? The old practice field across from the Murph, across the parking lot, our old practice field out there, it was, it was like a, a – remember Clarkie? It had this big gate. And it had these green covers so people couldn't see inside, right around the chain link fence. Yeah, remember. Where. Right? Okay, so everybody's, so everybody's stretching. You know, it's a first practice minicamp. Everybody's stretching. And, 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 and Corey, I was going, Hank, you promised me Chuck was going to come. And I said, Coach, he took the red eye and he's on the training table. He'll be here. He goes, why is he now there stretching? And I go, so I called him to the training room, went into the training room, got him. He's sleeping in the training room because he hadn't slept in a month, right? Chuck has full sweats on, full sweats, his jersey, and a helmet. Everybody is stretching, and now they go to the individual drills. The gate swings open, and it was like a scene from a spaghetti western. Here comes Harry Vance Muncy, six foot four and a half, 255, cigarette dangling from his mouth, walking onto the practice field carrying his helmet. He jogs to the end of the field. And I said, Chuck, I don't care if you walk to 40. Coriel just wants you to do it, just to do it to show you're a good teammate. And he goes, okay, Hammer. Right? He walks to the end, puts his, you know, all the scouts are out there. Running backs are up. Chuck does a couple little stretches, right? Gets, puts, his, puts his cigarette down on the starting mark of the 40. Puts his helmet on. Bang! Four. Four. Six. Hadn't trained a day in his life. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know and he, he picks up, his, he walks back, he picks up his cigarette, looks at me, and he goes, Hammer, like a fine wine. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's what he said afterwards, like a fine wine. <laughs> hey, um, Hank, uh, I already got one more. One more quick one for Hank. Uh, Hank, um, for our listeners, um, Tell us a little bit about playing for Coriel, what kind of coach he was, and and does he deserve a place in Canton? 100% deserves a place in Canton. Again, impact and influence on the game. How about the guys that he got started? You know, he gave John Madden his first college job at, at a junior college. 
people forget that. People forget that he had this 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 gearhead offensive guard at San Diego State playing for him that he later got into football. Some guy named Joe Gibbs, who who then became our coordinator and did pretty good as a head coach and as a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, he changed the he changed the game. Now he's penalized because of simply years and wins and losses, right? I, 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 I would assume, but you know, how many guys have a hundred wins in college and a hundred wins in the NFL? Yeah. yeah. Do you guys know? All I know is if you ask Joe Gibbs or John Madden right now, does he deserve to be in? I guarantee they would say yesterday. And that's good enough for me. Yeah, we have hammer. And, and honestly, what penalizes him is the playoff record three and six the fact they didn't go to a Super Bowl, and as I've said to Ira before, George Allen is in there. He's got a playoff record of two and seven. He went to a Super well, Bowl it, once, it, and he it, lost. That's he, all. But this, see, that's also. I mean, again, this is. Is there too much emphasis put on Super Bowls? Probably. Probably. Yeah. You know, for the Hall okay. of Fame. Yeah, because he did change the game. He did change the game. There's no question in my mind. He changed it offensively and defensively. Yeah, nobody ran. I, nobody ran a nickel. De- nobody knew what the hell a nickel defense was. And we started playing two tight ends and splitting Kellen out in the slot, splitting him out. And 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 safeties are first. They tried with linebackers, then they tried with safeties, or forces teams to play zone, which killed them. But nobody knew. What, so the Raiders were the first to say, "Hey, we're going to put an extra cornerback in the game." You know, a link, a guy with some length. Uh, to try to cover Kellum because we can't cover him with our safeties. Right. And so they put, so that's because of Coriel, that's how the nickel defense got going. Yeah, no, and then right. it went into the dime defense because we started putting, you know, we put, we, we, we put all kinds of personnels out there. So then people started putting six defensive backs, some, sometimes even seven corners in the, you know, seven defensive backs in the game, you know, a couple safeties and five corners to cover all the scatters, you know? So, yeah, he changed the game. He influenced it. And and, yeah, I, and go ahead. We're not talking about Tony Gonzalez as being a first ballot Hall of Famer if he wasn't using Kellen Winslow as a wide receiver. We're not. And and these guys who are in the game today who are catching a zillion passes, that's because of what Don did with that two tight end offensive. You had three tight ends and Eric Sievers, Pete Hollihan, and Kellen Winslow, but they couldn't cover Kellen. And, and so he, he goes to that um, single back two tight end offense and it was a matchup problem. Nobody could cover him. And and yeah. to me, that's why Tony Gonzalez is Tony Gonzalez, because of what Don Coriel did and, and other <laughs> tight ends. Tony Gonzalez would be a Hall of Famer in any offense, right? Yeah, Agreed? sure, I think, yeah. But he's but he got those numbers because of what happened Egg, tight end position. Egg, exactly. Speaking of numbers, I, you know what? I, I feel – I, you guys, I'm I am so thankful. I was I was able to to just just get the years I got in. I, I you know I I wish I could have played like Matthew Slater thirteen years and Tasker thirteen years and Bill Bates fifteen years, but but I, I didn't do it. I got hurt, you know, and and there's there's nothing you can do about it. But you know what? I wouldn't have changed my journey for anything. You know, um, all I know is in 86 games, I made 147 tackles. Tasker played 169 games. He had 111 tackles. 
you know, just to put it into perspective, Matthew Slater, 13 years, 189 games. He has 161 tackles. That's only, you know, but I'm, that it's not ever going to change. It's not going to define my happiness or who I am or anything else. I just want to be remembered as a good teammate, somebody that represented the game well, represented my cities and my teammates well, and I want the world to be a better place. At the end of the day, when I die, whether it's today, tomorrow, in 20 years, God forbid, um, just say, hey, the world was a better place because this dude was on here. Well, well, covering that team, Hank, and knowing those former teammates of yours, you check all those boxes, so there's no worry about that. Um, I will tell you this. You you mentioned guys like Tasker, Bates, Slater. Since you did, Ira asked you a question earlier about special teamers in the hall. I will ask you this. If you had one to put in there, aside from yourself, if you had one to put in there, Tasker, Billy White, Choose Johnson, Bates, Brian Mitchell, Slater, who would you put in and why? Well, again, here's the thing. The influence of Super Bowls, just because you're on a great team, can you imagine if I'd have been playing on those New England Bill Belichick teams? In fact, if you guys ever get Belichick on, ask him who he thinks. Yeah. Ask him. Yeah, yeah I ran into Bill a couple – last year, a year before, walking down the field and I, it, it, before a game in New England, and I go, Coach, how you doing? And I, he looks at me, and I go, hey, I go, Hank Bauer, he goes, we can never F and block you. <laughs> right? So, it would be interesting to see. These guys all played a long time. Gosh, you know, impact and influence on the game. Who who had the most? You know, who? Bill Bates, fifteen years, hundred seventy six tackles, two hundred seventeen games. That's a long time. That's a, that's a lot of Super Bowls. That's Tasker. You know, didn't make a lot of tackles, but thirteen years he was. You know, I, I don't know if you could pick one. I, I, I just honestly, I don't th- know that you could pick one. And then, and then today's, you know, with today's coverage and all of the media and everything else, Matthew Slater, I guess, would be the guy because of all the Super Bowls in New England. And, 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 and you know, people in this now generation, everybody would know Matthew Slater. Nobody, nobody, I guarantee people in their 20s and 30s, the football fans now, if you asked 50% of them who Bill Bates was, they wouldn't have a clue, right? How about White Shoes Johnson? How about sad. Billy White Shoes Johnson? How, you know, Billy White Shoes Johnson was a two-time or two, yeah, two-time all-decade player, seventies and eighties at special teams. I'll guarantee you that ninety-five percent of those people wouldn't know who he was. Right, yeah. and that's and that and that's sad. So yeah. it's up to you guys to go ahead and perpetuate, you know, uh, the the past and the history of this great game, and. Um, you like the way I danced around your question? I did, uh, yeah, because you, you named a lot of people and you didn't choose one, which is really appreciate that. I mean, I could really go, hey, hey, let me give you a couple other guys. Keith Burns. People, do you remember Keith Burns? Barely, yeah, Long but time. I do remember the name. I'm- okay, barely. Think about this. You just, think about what you just, barely. And you're a guy that knows the game, covered the game, studies the game. Keith Burns played 13 years. Almost 200 games, had 203 special team tackles, Ooh, mostly wow. with the Broncos. Larry Izzo, you guys know Larry Izzo, oh, sure, 13 years. Absolutely, sure. 200 games, 204 tackles, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so how do you how do you pick one? I, I, I don't know which – Ferrari, Maserati, I don't know which car I want to date, uh, drive. I don't know which supermodel I want to date. 
I can't pick one. Yeah, well, um, you know, since you referenced Mike Davis earlier, you reminded me of Mike Davis in that backpedal there, Hammer, because you were doing a lot of backpedaling on that question. Like, All right. If, I, if I'm picking one, I ain't picking one. I ain't picking one. <laughs> I can't. Now I know what it's like to do what you guys do. I can't. I don't know how you do it. I can't. Well, I got one it's last subjective. one for you. You're going to be. It, you're always going to piss somebody off. Right. And it's subjective. It's, to, it's what you guys think. Right. Yeah. It's opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got one last one for you. You're going to be presenting a Chargers draft pick. And you said the second round draft choice this year on Friday, I guess, in Cleveland. Correct. Are you going to try to top Drew Pearson's performance in Philadelphia? You remember that one when he taunted Eagles fans and made a name for himself? in Philadelphia as the most hated <laughs> former cowboy ever. You're going to try to do that with Cleveland? Absolutely not. Oh, and let me tell you, let me tell you why. Okay. Because this is the same way I approach broadcasting games. Anytime a broadcaster is trying to make their presence known instead of putting the game first, I think it's a mistake and I think it's wrong. Right. I want people to walk away from every game that we broadcast and say, gosh, that was fun to listen to. I learned something I didn't know about. I knew exactly what was going on. Who were those guys that broadcast? Because we're not the game. You're there to present. And maybe more importantly than that, the guy that gets called, the guy that you're going to call, right? The name who that's, that's a once in a lifetime moment and that person that guy may never have a good career that might be the highlight of his career so why would you want to take anything from him I, I no I'm going to be straight I'm going to be businesslike unless of course I get booed or something I might have something for the people in Cleveland but <laughs> but, but but no I, the moment belongs to the guy getting drafted Hank Bauer Gosh, that was fun to listen to. Thanks so much. And remember this, Hank. Remember this what? when you make your presentation this week. RC, RC baby. <laughs> you got it. You want to you want to share with Ira what share with Ira what that means? Remain constant. Hank told <laughs> yep. me that years ago, and it's the best advice I ever got. Thanks, Hank. Ira, great talking to you guys. Hey, Hank. One last thing. Earlier, you said you don't know why, like on a day like today, you feel so. Frickin' good, as you said. The reason yep. is because you're on with Ira and Clark on the eye test for two. Nicely done, Clark. Yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> Thanks, Hammer. See you guys. That was, for, that was former Chargers special team star Hank Bauer. And Ira, 52 tackles. You know what? To me, it's like that Denny McLean 31 win season in 1968. Never going to happen again. And he knows everybody else's statistics as a special team. Well, there's the signal that it's time for I Was There segment. And Ira, you were there, but when and where? Clark, I've covered hundreds of NFL games. This one is one of the strangest. We take you to the Meadowlands, September 16th, 2012. Greg Schiano's second game as an NFL head coach 
and almost his final game as an NFL head coach. Giants win 41-34. 604 yards of offense. 604. Manning throws for 5-10. Almost sets the NFL record. Van Brocklin was worried about it. He thought his numbers could be passed. (laughs) However, Clark, the real story came with five seconds left. The Giants in victory formation, running out the clock, and Chiano tells his buck people, knock them over, force a fumble. And the game ends. Manning goes head over tea kettle on a play that you just never see with etiquette in the NFL. And here comes Tom Coughlin racing across the field to admonish Greg Schiano. And Schiano stands his ground. Well, I did it at Rutgers. That's what we do at Rutgers. And Coughlin says, you ain't at Rutgers, Mr. Schiano. What a ball game, Clark. What a ball game. I guess it was no miracle Meadowlands part two, right, Ira? <laughs> you don't tell Coughlin what you did uh, in, in, in some podunk town in New Jersey. That ain't going to go over. Oh, my God. Ira, you got any final thoughts after that one? All I got to think is maybe Hank Bauer deserves a little consideration because, Clark, he might have been the best that's ever done it at what he did. He just might be one of the best yes who's ever done it on our broadcast love talking Man, he can talk he, he can, can talk, talk. Uh, that's going to do it so ira tell people where they can find you on twitter at ikaufman 76 clark ian will bring you back here where can they find you at iglen 31 and i'm at, at clark judge tof uh and ian where can they reach all of us of course that's at the eye test for two on twitter all letters no numbers and remember If we don't hear from you here, Ira, what happens? You're going to hear from us right here on the eye test for two. Nailed it, Ira. Absolutely correct. Thanks so much for listening.